PIV has been a, how do I get a trusted identity out to a device that my employee can use to authenticate themselves and carry out a number of secure processes? This is Life in the Mobile Enterprise. Olivia, your host of Life in the Mobile Enterprise, and today I have with me Alan Story from Interseed, and we're going to talk about cybersecurity, what it means for enterprise mobility today, and for government organizations and consumers around the world. So thank you for joining me, Alan. You're welcome. So to kick things off, could you tell us a little bit about yourself, um, your background, and how and when you got involved in cybersecurity? Sure, no problem. So I've been in IT for about, must be 27 years now. It's a long time. The last 15 of which have been around cybersecurity. So I started off in a, a sales engineering position. So a lot of time on planes in front of customers, installing solutions, trying to understand their problems and actually deploy real world systems. And then I moved into product management, really trying to continue the same theme, trying to ensure that solutions that we build actually solve real world problems, not just something that's invented in a lab. And in terms of mobility, um, really started to feature as more and more of our customers started holding up their mobile devices as day-to-day -day business devices and looking at how do I secure these. Okay, great. And what's your current role at Interseed? So I'm the Chief Product Officer at Interseed, so I look after the roadmap for our MyID product range, and I also own the technical relationship with a number of our major technology partners. For those who are not familiar, MyID was designed to ensure that organizations know that people and devices connecting to their environments and systems really are who and what they claim to be. So it does that by issuing digital identities, which is typically a key and certificate, in place of a, a password that is traditionally seen as insecure and quite inconvenient, inconvenient to a customer. It does that to a wide range of devices, so that includes smart cards, virtual smart cards, and mobiles. And our customers have been security-conscious organizations, so government, aerospace and defense, financial institutions. And a, a particular focus for Interseed is the U.S. federal government space with the FIPS 201 or the PIV space, which has long been seen as a, a gold standard for identity and authentication in the U.S. Okay. And what are you seeing as the most pressing issues or changes that are happening right now in the cybersecurity space? So there's probably a couple we're seeing, and they're related. The first one is that the the U.S. government standard on how do I identify my employees, how do I know who people are, which is spread out into other industries. Um, so that's FIPS 201 has had an update recently to FIPS 201-2, and there's an associated special publication that goes with that. And that is now very much focused on mobile. So it's pr probably easy to explain, easier to explain by showing what the original FIPS 201 standard was and then what the change was. So FIPS 201 came out in 2005 as a response to a Homeland Security presidential directive. And this was really saying we need a way of identifying our employees. We need to know who the people are working within our government. 
So it was a combination of a technology standard. How do I manage keys? How do I interoperate with devices and a business process? What steps do I need to go through to make sure that this employee is who they claim to be and they're a good, they're a good guy in the first place? So it was very much focused on smart cards initially. So a smart card was seen as the place to hold the identity, a place to hold the keys and certificates. And that was been widely deployed since 2006. So all federal agencies have deployed solutions and they're issuing PIV cards today to identify their people. And because it was a combination of a government mandate and a published standard, it really drove the industry. There are actually quite few published standards of security in this area. So because there was one, it started to act like a, a real set of instructions that other people could follow. So industries such as aerospace and defense and finance started to look at the standard and say, well, we don't need all of that necessarily, but we it's a good best practice. We can do something similar. So there's a lot of PIV-like deployments out there in associated industries. So that's been out there for a while, really set the benchmark of best practice, um, but it didn't cover mobiles. So all the agencies were using their desktops with their smart cards to authenticate, access SharePoint sites, read encrypted email, etc. And then they all started holding up their iPhones and their tablets and their Android devices and their Windows phones and saying, what about these? I can do all my secure stuff at my desktop. Why can't I do it on my mobile? So that's the new standard. So FIPS 201-2 came out and similar to the original standard, it's a combination of the technology. So how do I store identities? How do I authenticate? How do I manage key generation and the business process? How do I make sure it's the right person getting the device, getting the credentials in the first place? So that's the first big change we're seeing. Lots of people looking at how do I manage and deploy these credentials to mobiles? The second one, and this is within the enterprise and within the consumer space, is much more of a general understanding and acceptance now that passwords are no longer enough. So two-factor authentication is now seen as, as desirable. It's seen as expected. Any system that's protected by passwords is not seen as secure. And it's been quite a long time for that to be accepted outside of the traditional security conscious industries. But we're defi definitely starting to see that spread outside of government, aerospace, defense, etc., into much more general acceptance within industry that how do we get rid of these passwords? Okay, so this updated FIPS 201-2, is it, is it kind of just PIV but for mobile devices? Almost. So in a way it is, and that's the principle behind it. PIV has been a how do I get a trusted identity out to a device that my employee can use to authenticate themselves and carry out a number of secure processes? So how do I do the same thing on a mobile device is, yes, the absolute principle behind it. So it covers how do I generate keys? How do I need to protect keys? How do I identify my person in the first place? The main difference between the original standard here and the updated standard is that all the agencies have already identified their employees and they've already issued them a smart card. So agencies have invested a lot of money into deploying smart card solutions and business processes that allow them to identify is this person the person I think they are? Are they on any watch lists? Let me do some background checks, etc. 
And some of our customers are, are very dispersed organizations within the, the US. So they have lots and lots of offices, some of them relatively small offices that don't have a, a smart card badging officer there. So the last thing the agencies want to do is to get those employees back in just so that they can issue them a mobile device because that there's a cost associated with that. So the real difference between the original model of FIPS 201 and FIPS 201-2 is the principle of self-service. The idea being, if I'm an employee with a smart card who can prove my identity, then it's okay for me to authenticate myself to a solution and self-collect a credential to my mobile device. So that's what the, the policies and the standards are based around. How do I meet the technical needs, but how do I actually keep the cost down by what's called a derived credential? So how do I derive a credential to my mobile device based on a trusted digital identity that I already possess and already hold? Okay. And are you seeing agencies starting to deploy this? Absolutely. Yes. So to actually deploy this, you need to be granted a, an ATO, an authority to operate, um, where basically your, your standards, your policies, your processes are checked out and seem to be secure. And the first few authorities to operate have now been granted, and we're starting to see agencies deploy the solutions. So absolutely, it's, it's starting now. The other piece, which tends to be looking slightly further ahead of what people are doing today, is that most of the, the RFIs, the RFPs, the requests for tenders that are coming out of the US federal space either have a mobile element within them or they are solely mobile focused. So yes, we're seeing the early adopters move now and we're seeing everybody else look at what they're doing and starting to put their own plans in place. So we really expect to see that demand continuing to increase probably over the next 12 to 24 months. Okay. And I imagine this this must have some impact on the traditional enterprise mobility management or mobile device management providers. Am I right? Absolutely right. Yeah. So this, this is a really interesting change we're seeing. So traditionally, most of our customers would have had um, EMM-type solutions, so mobile application management or MDM, for example, deployed on their mobile devices, and a completely different solution deployed to manage their smart cards. And there would be very little integration or communication between the two systems. But now the worlds are coming together. So mobile device security and PIV traditionally were very separate. Now what we're starting to see is that there's a need for integration. There's a need for collaboration between the vendors. So to actually deploy a derived credential down to a mobile device typically is the job of a credential management system, such as our product, MyID, which is handling the key generation to the FIPS standards. It's deploying all the, the policies to make sure the right people get the credentials. It's reading the PIV card, potentially doing biometric authentication. So not really the space of an EMM vendor. But the EMM vendor needs to actually consume those credentials. So there's no point issuing a derived credential to a device if I can't do anything with it. Right. So we're really starting to see much more collaboration in this, this cybersecurity space around mobile with MAM vendors, identity management vendors, looking to add derived credentials into their solutions and starting to work with specialist providers. So it's definitely a big change. Okay. So as these agencies are starting to roll this out, what are the issues that the early adopters are running into? Like what, what are the problems they need to solve? 
There's uh, probably three major ones we're seeing at the moment. And the first one is, is not surprisingly cost. So, as I say, agencies have invested a lot in their PIV solutions and they want to comply with federal policy. They want to secure their mobiles, but they don't want to spend huge amounts of money on doing that again. So, how do they comply with the technical and procedural needs of FIPS to 1-2 and minimize the cost and operational impact on their business? So, because of that, many are starting to look at self-service options. So, not to get the phone holder to come back to the office. How do they actually allow them to do this at a kiosk, at their desktop, when they're out on the road? So that's a, a big piece people are looking at the moment. How do I tick all the compliance boxes but to keep the costs and the operational impact down? The second is really looking at, um, I have a mobile device. I may want to take that device under some sort of management. I might want to control what apps are pushed out to the device. But I also want to issue a credential down to that device that allows people to authenticate to those. So it's trying to look at combined management. So we have a very seamless experience for the end user. So nobody really wants to take the device under management and then go through a second process to issue a credential. They want to try and combine those two. So that's really driving the, the need for integration and collaboration. And the third one is probably the the question of how much security does the end organization actually need? Smart cards typically do what smart cards do. They have a chip on them. They're designed to do one thing, which is protect and store keys and allow them to be used. But mobile devices are, are much more intelligent devices. They have a wider range of places to store keys. They have the capability to use PIN or to use a fingerprint, potentially. So there's more flexibility in the devices. So there are more choices and options available to the end organizations. And the standards have been written to define this. So there are different, what they call, levels of assurance you can step up to. So some organizations, for example, may want to issue mobile devices buy an operator-led process, store keys protected in hardware, very, very high security. Others may be happy to allow self-service and protecting keys in software. So it comes down to that balance between security and convenience. And I think as we start to see the early adopters roll out and move forward into large-scale deployments, we'll start to see more consistent patterns of usage and best practice emerge. Okay. And you've mentioned that it's not just the federal government that's using this. You're seeing this spread out to other industries and even those that don't use a smart card. So could you talk a little bit more about that? Absolutely. So we saw, we've already seen FIPS 201 spread into other industries. So we have aerospace and defense, we have finance, we have healthcare customers who've looked at some people in their sector, in their industry, being subject to a data breach, for example, and they don't want to be next, or they do business with federal government and want to follow best practice. So they looked at the, the FIPS 201, the PIV standards, and said, well, that's not exactly what we need, but we can adapt it, we can shape it, and we can follow most of the principles as best practice. And we fully expect the same to happen for the mobile standards. So, even sometimes where there isn't an initial strong credential that's already issued, such as a smart card, we're starting to see customers demanding stronger credentials on those mobile devices. So mobile devices are already widely used. 
to access sensitive business information. And people are really looking at ways to protect the systems, protect the data, regardless of the industry they're in. And we expect them to be looking at FIPS 201-2 as a, a potential way to do that, regardless of the industry they're in. Okay. And what do you expect the adoption of derived credentials on mobile devices will be in the non-government market in the next few years? So this, this is an interesting one. So derived credentials is really just a way of proving who you are before you collect a credential on a mobile device. So in the FIPS 201 standard, you do that by identifying yourself with your PIV card and then collecting a credential on the mobile. But there's no reason in principle why that doesn't make sense regardless of any identity I have. So as long as you can show who you are with a passport, a driving license, any identity that can be verified, there's no reason in principle why you couldn't then use that to drive collection of a credential onto a mobile device. So as long as it makes it low cost, secure and simple, there's no reason it doesn't make sense for anyone. We're also seeing that demand really grow in the consumer space as well. So banking, e-commerce customers want more convenience, i.e. no more passwords. And service providers want better security, so they're not subject to the risk of a data breach. So what we're really seeing is that the, the, the mobile wave, the everybody using their phone or their tablet to, to do their business life or their personal life on online, is already here. It's already hit us. What we're seeing now is people looking at how can I make that more secure without making the user life uh, more inconvenient. So federal space, derived credentials, absolutely to comply with policy. People close to the federal space, aerospace, defense, etc., we think will probably follow very, very similar guidelines. And then there will be elements of it used but less and less compliant with the standard, the further away from government you get. But it's we're already seeing demand there. Okay. Well, you've shared a lot of valuable information so far. Thank you for that. Derived credentials is a, a really hot topic these days. But to wrap things up, do you have any other best practices for cyber and mobile security that you'd like to share? So... What we're seeing really is that the the principles around security haven't really changed. We've spent the last 20 years issuing secure credentials to smart cards and virtual smart cards, and probably the last two or three starting to issue them to mobile devices. But the principles are the same. It's it's a balance between security and risk. So there's no point buying a $10,000 safe to protect a $10 note. just doesn't make sense. But we are starting to see a lot of studies showing that costs of a data breach are really high. Major organizations can be up to $4 million for a data breach. There's also a lot of independent evidence showing that 75% of attacks on corporate networks and systems use weak passwords as their attack points. So sometimes it doesn't make sense to spend 12 months, 18 months analyzing what the best particular solution should be for your business when your front door's wide open. So make use of the technology that's there, make use of the solutions that are available, get rid of your passwords, replace them with something better. That to us is very much just like putting a lock on the front door. And the final piece I'd say is that mobile moves much faster than the traditional business of smart cards. Smart card technology moves relatively slowly. Mobile technology moves very, very fast new operating systems, new devices, new capabilities of the devices. So 
our advice would be implement something to lock the front door as soon as you can, which is get rid of passwords, but accept the fact that what you're going to put in place is going to have to change. So look for the solutions that don't lock you into a particular vendor, look for ones that don't lock you into a particular technology that can allow you to change as the mobile world keeps changing. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much, Alan, for joining and sharing all your advice and knowledge with our listeners. Thank you, Olivia. You're more than welcome. Okay, that's a wrap for this episode of Life in the Mobile Enterprise. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you heard, make sure to subscribe on iTunes or catch each episode on the MAM blog at apirian.com slash MAM blog. Follow us on Twitter at Aperion and let us know what you think or email any feedback or ideas for new episodes to podcast at Until next time. Mm-hmm.